0: This is the Eric Francis show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis show. Two powerhouse guests this week. The focus is on storytelling. We got well, our certainly our first guest is one hell of a storyteller. I heard a bunch of his stories over the course of a memorable tour i took with the legends of hockey there were 11 hall of famers on the team i got to play with them i was writing about it every day what it was like to hang out with these guys guy lafleur brad park steve Shutt, lanny mcdonald uh, tiger williams uh, the it, the list was amazing and on top of it was a guy whose personality stood out above all of them and i don't even remember i don't know if he'll remember that i even played on the team that i lost my two front teeth at the saddle dome in front of fifteen thousand people to end my little three day jaunt with these guys but my first guest marcel dion the little beaver hall of famer one of the greatest players of all time marcel how are you my friend
1: how are you
0: i'm excellent do you do you remember playing you probably did a bunch of those tours with the the, I think it was called the Legends of Hockey, the Old Timers, and you, we went through Victoria, Vancouver, Calgary. You did that for a number of years, didn't you?
1: Absolutely. I I, I remember. I read... I mean, I just... Uh, we had discussion. I remember I warned a boat, and uh, Guilafleur asked me if I would uh, go with him and fly. He was a fanatic about that. He was a helicopter pilot, and he asked me, he says, come on, let's go via. People don't know this, but We've known each other from the time we're 10 years old and became very, very good friends over the years. And I said to him, I said, You don't assume that the hockey. Helicopter. Wait, I'm taking the ferry. Forget it. What's <laughs> the time that you were there. Then Brad Park was talking, talking. And I said, By then, he's talking. I says, Brad, we've got to go. And uh, he was talking, he's talking, and he missed the ferry. <laughs> You remember that. (laughs) My memory is very, very sharp. I know who you are, Eric. I I have read some of your articles. Uh, You're still in the business. And all I can tell to all the Toronto fans, Edmonton Oilers fans, I didn't win the Cup. If you think I didn't want to win the Cup, well, just look back now. It is tough to win a Stanley Cup. Look at these powerhouses. And the amazing thing. Try side up. Didn't score a goal. So if you put the finger on a goalie and everybody, got to go all out. And there's a guy that had the chance to play against them, Wayne Gretzky. And look at this stats. It was all out. That's the difference. If the superstars don't come through, you're done because everybody else is going to do their job. They're going to try to play for a 2-1 game, 2-0. Look at the scores, chances, and then you got a hot goalie. Come on, Eric. I watch all of that. they got the four guys, right? Yep. But they don't have that style. People don't understand. They're great, but they don't have that style. Look at the truth.
0: He's got that style. <laughs> oh yeah, we're familiar out. with him. You want
1: to say at I'm uh. on.
0: Hey, listen, Marcel, your phone is cracking up. I don't know if you can hear me really well, but your phone is cracking. Up. We're gonna hang up and call you back or get my producer to call you right back. Hopefully the okay. line is it a is little static. better.
1: Yeah, it is static. Okay.
0: Yeah. Go He's gonna call you right back. Okay. I don't want people to miss a word of Marcel Dion's stories because this guy is one of the great personalities in the National Hockey League's history. I can't believe he remembered that I that some chump reporter had tailed on with them. I played in Victoria, Vancouver, and, them and, and it, it wasn't because I think I'm any good. It was because I wanted to kind of immerse myself in their world just for four or five days. And the story that he just said, I cannot believe he remembered it because I barely remember it. We were taking the ferry from Victoria over to Vancouver after playing uh, a game, and we were selling out buildings. Not we; <laughs> those guys were selling out buildings. And Brad Park was telling a story. He was telling these great stories, and I'm listening. To, I'm hanging on every single word. And same with Marcel Dion. And the, we're all sitting there talking. To, and Park, on purpose, told so many stories that we missed the ferry. And he did it, he made the ferry, but I didn't. Anyway, long story short, uh, he he wanted to make sure that the rookie got the rookie treatment. So I had to find my my way to Vancouver uh, because those guys got on the ferry and the bus and I didn't. Uh, you back there, Marcel, now? Yeah, it's good, yeah. Okay, hopefully it's a little yep. bit better. Yep. Okay, listen, you, you mentioned how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup, yeah. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers fans just saw that on the weekend again. <laughs> Uh, and and it's well documented. You you didn't win a cup. I mean, you you're one of the greatest players of all time. 18 coaches in 18 years. Do I have that right? Is that what you went through when your career was going through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Three in one year. <laughs> <laughs> and every time every time they made a change, uh, they were all pretty good guys, you know. I, I but I was good, so I didn't have to be explained about the game and. Uh, the amazing thing is that every time there was a new coach, the coach would call me in and says, I want you to play for me now. I said, Just do your job. That's going to be easy to play for
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> you do your so, job, you know, I'll do all mine. Good
1: guys, but you know what? You know, Eric, I look back and I never went back in the game. I had no interest. I liked the game, but I saw what happened to a lot of players. All the time, you put fingers at players. But sometimes the players don't play with the right players. And then you got assistant coaches. Then they come in, and they should know better. And I told a couple guys, I said, "Uh, if you would have played with me, you were a 20-goal scorer. If you would have played with me, you would have been a 40-goal scorer. (laughs) And do you want to know the expression? It's because he knew. He was going to get chances. After mm-hmm. you take McDavid out, So just like the Edmonton Oilers, who's the next guy in line at center? Tell me, come on, Eric, hurry up.
0: Well, Drysaddle's... Drysaddle's... Ah, he about, goes back
1: and forth, right? Yeah, but the yeah, he's all guy. Dry Drysaddle, listen to this. He didn't score any goals the last three games. So who, who's who's coming out? Who's coming and taking over? First thing, bring the goalie frame the goalie, watch this. I hope you remember we're in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers. They're loaded. They're loaded. They got all mm-hmm. the their six guys, all the Hall of Famers, right? Yep. The first game, first game of the playoffs. It's a three out of five. It was ten to eight. <laughs> Glenn say they're say they're never removed. Grantier.
0: <laughs> no, he played
1: great. It has changed. It has changed. Then they won the next game. Risky scored overtime, 2-1. Then we went back, and that's the famous, famous uh, miracle on Manchester. We're down five, five nothing, and, and, and we won six-five overtime. Then we yeah. went, we had played this, uh, the the next game, uh, Edmonton uh, won at home. Then we went back to uh, Edmonton and uh, beat them seven-four. That was an upset, and oh, that's yeah. the year that uh, Vancouver. Vancouver uh, went to the cup, but I listened to guys, you know, I listened to the guys after the game and it was very, really well said. I know the Edmonton Oilers fans are really, really upset, but the next two, three years, that team is there. They're there now, but they're going to win a cup. I don't know when, but yeah. they're going to win a cup.
0: It does it, feel it, inevitable. Just,
1: yeah, well, that's right. Now it's, it's a question to, you know, I don't see all the, all the games all the time, but who's what? You can skate all you want. You can skate, But sometimes you got to get that one goal that makes a difference. And guys were not able to do it. They relied too much on those two guys. And, and, I, and I know. You know what it reminds me, Eric? It reminds, reminds us, reminds me of our line, Triple Crown line, okay? Mm-hmm. Myself, Charlie, Simmer, and Dave. Do you know some games, series of games, we, we got all the points. We scored all the goals. Yeah. And, and as much as it was fun, I remember Billy Harris uh, played uh, with me uh, then, and he came, for, he came in from the Islanders. We had three games in a row, he says, did you guys get all the goals and the points? He says, yeah. And do you know this was a detrimental? Because too many guys were watching. When you watch, when you watch these guys, these two guys, they make the game so easy. It's ridiculous,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they lost. How far are you to win? It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. That's that's what it is. There's 32 hockey teams, and it's frightening. And the first thing to do, they lose. Clean house, clean house. That's why I never went back in the game. A lot of players, it's just it's still only four or five years to play in an HL career. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's a tough game, very
0: tough yeah. game. So you don't agree with, you know, when, what? when you think it's a knee jerk when everybody says, oh, yeah, you got a clean house, you got a clean house. It just, it takes time to kind of meld a team together and build chemistry, right? Because that's what that triple crown line was all about. It wasn't like you were the three best players. It, you just had wonderful chemistry. And I wanted to ask you about that. Is that, why did that line work? It might be... It's certainly one of the greatest lines of all time. Why was it so so oh, good?
1: Yeah. Well, you, you're right. It's a combination. When I first saw Dave Taylor at training camp, I hey, listen, now we go back a long time, but I played with uh, Mickey Redmond and Danny Grant. They were 50-goal scorers. Danny Grant never scored 50 goals. He played in Minnesota. Look at his stats. Uh, great guy. Just passed away a few years ago. But he was a sniper. Just left-handed. I played with him. He popped in 50 goals. Who was he playing before with? Mickey Redmond, same thing, power play. I didn't play with him as a line. On a power play, combination, he had incredible wrist shot. I mean, powerful wrist shot. Two seasons of 50 goals when I was there. The thing is with the triple crown, and even when I watch uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they always shovel the third guy. If it's Hyman or it's uh, Kane and You got to keep guys together because like a guy like Taylor, he was a mucker, go in the corners, take a hit, boom, boom, like that. Charlie for 6'3", he he was around the net. He knew, and he had very, very good hands. Never got the credit, either one of them, but they fit right in. I am the quarterback. You move the ball. You move the puck. You move the baseball. So that was (laughs) That was fun to play because as you, as you learn the game, it's very simple the way I look at it. It's a stick in your hands, and it's what you do with the puck. And there's a lot of guys. They overskate. They just I, – I, I saw when you start to uh, – they lost control of themselves uh, trying to get Pietrangelo, and I could see it. Some guys, they were more concerned to remind him about the slashing and say, hey, hey, hold it, guys. Mm-hmm. Those guys are as good as we are. You have to respect the opposition, and they get, they get the goals. Look at that Marshall, eh? Wow. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> that was <laughs> That's
0: pretty That's what amazing. playoff
1: hockey is all about.
0: Yeah, it sure is fun to watch. We're, we're talking to Marcel Dion, Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. I, I think we're at sixth right now, all, all-time goal scoring list, uh, 50 or more goals, six times, 100 or more points the season eight times during his career. I think only a couple of people have ever done that. And, and, and I, I wonder, I mean, it's obvious you watch a lot of hockey still, and that's fantastic. Is there a player in today's game? Because you were listed at five 5'9", 190 pounds. That might have been generous. I don't know. You tell me. But who reminds you in today's game of you? There's none. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, here's the
1: difference. You saw me naked. Did you see the you see the size of my legs? <laughs> you see the size. Did you see the size of my arms? Yeah. So my dad, my dad was six one six two. Okay. My mom was short. Gordie Howe, when I first went to Detroit, he met me. He said to me, he says, "What happened to you?" I said, "Look at my mom. My dad was bigger than Gordie Howe, but I had strength. You know, like uh, uh, Sidney Crosby. Okay, when he came in, he's playing at." probably two ten. I paid the one eighty eight, one ninety, but it's to try to knock you off the park. So I could play against the big guys. But the difference is I was smart enough to not challenge any one of them, respect their size and make sure that I don't get cross checked at certain position or take chances because today's game for the way I played the game would have been so much easier, because when you go in front of the net, nobody bothers you.
0: Yeah, yeah, they can't. It's,
1: the goalie, the goalie, it's it's his business to get you, because everybody goes there and try to, uh, uh, you know, to, to obstruct for anything. Any shots come from, um, comes from the blue line from from these guys that can shoot the puck. But if you watch, if you watch, in our days, the goalie would slash you. It was his.
0: You have to get <laughs> out of the way.
1: I, I yeah. remember I got flashed a few times, and I tell the referee, I don't know if it was N.D. or Holloman or Brian Lewis, hey, did you see that flash? Did you see that flash? <laughs> you know what the response was? Hey, just play hockey and shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But,
1: let's take let's think a player, for example. I watch him play. You probably see him play in Vancouver for the, uh, the Vancouver team there. And uh, it's, it's Gallagher. Okay, the uh, yeah. Lucci. I, I saw them play, and I was I was talking about uh, Gianta, uh about a month ago. And Gianta is he's not a tall guy. He's just no. uh, I, I'm size wise, right? Mm-hmm. He had a pretty good career. Won the Stanley Cup. He managed, and then I said to him and says, "Somebody, and I going I to play for his size? He's done. This guy takes an incredible beating. That oh he yeah. Did not have to play. Mm-hmm. But you can't change that. He's been doing this all his career. And I, I feel so bad. And he, You know, like they play Tampa Bay. He chased a couple of the big guys and they don't want to do it, but they'll crunch you. So you have to protect yourself. Never put yourself in a position that you can get cross checked on, on the neck. And, and he takes his toll. You, you, you miss 10 games, you miss 15, you come back the next year, and now just a couple things slows down. The guy's in, he's very gutsy. You can't, you can't count that out. But I, I said myself to to him, I said, I would love to just spend some time with him how to position himself in good. You don't have to be in front of net. You go in front of net when there's movement movement from the point, when they get the puck. Well, let's say it takes like a Bouchard or something. That that kid, it's, it's just like a McGannis, right? We had those guys. And then that's when you move in because all the action is there. Then, when you get hit and you score a goal, you never felt a hit. But mm-hmm. see if that puck doesn't come, <laughs> then you're right you remember you got cross checked and it hurts. There's oh, more yeah. than guts. You know what? You've got to be smart about it. I really like him. I like him. But it's so unfair. He, they always say, oh, he blocked a shot. What a brave guy. Oh, yeah, he's up, out of commission for a month breaking a finger. Yeah, that was really great. I said, <laughs> and me and LaFleur would say, hey, they paid these goalies $10 million now,
0: let them stop the puck. <laughs> yeah, get out of the way. Exactly.
1: Absolutely.
0: Exactly. And
1: the guy's
0: hard, right? And shoot oh, high. Oh, boy. Yeah, hard He's and the high.
1: Very, They're very, very accurate.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking to Marcel Dion. We'll be talking to the Premier of our uh, province, uh, Daniel Smith, uh, in about a half an hour's time. But uh, we've got some, some good story time here with Marcel Dion. And, uh, you know, there's so much I want to ask you about. But one thing I definitely don't want to miss out on because I'm so fascinated with this story. And it, it, for our younger listeners who de- never even heard of this story, can you please take me back to the Richardson Cup in 1971? And just a little background for people. That was just before the the Memorial Cup came to be. It was the Eastern Canadian Championship you had left the queue, well, what was it's now the QMJHL, you left the queue to go to the OHL, OHA, and that stuck in some people's cry, even though you're French-Canadian, there was French-English tensions, you ended up getting threats from the FLQ. Please take us back to that series and how crazy it got.
1: Well, it's very true, very true. We have, uh, when I moved to St. Catharines, St. Catharines-Voccox, uh, didn't speak any English, and... The owner, that's what I saw and did this thing. I didn't want to leave my hometown, but I saw an opportunity. I said, I'm going to make it. I got to go. There was no player in my hometown that played in the NHL. And I went to St. Catharines to see that. You know what? They must have had 30, 40 guys because of the team. So I said, this is history. All the guys I was watching on TV. So I took a chance. The owner says, hey, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. I says, well, they won't let me go. Are you going to take care of me? He says, yeah, I he did, and he did. He took care You know what? He brought my mom, two of my sisters, and one brother. Unheard of. Yeah. We're playing at the same time with Guy Lafleur. I went to his house. I went to Thursday. I said, Guy, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. We're going to we're going to destroy all these English guys. <laughs> 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 so the only difference is they gave him 10,000 and they gave him a car and he stayed behind oh. so last year. They won their, their, in the Quebec league and we won the Ontario. And then you're right at the time when we get to the finals in Quebec during the year, the FLQ, which was a terrorist uh, movement. And, uh, it was English against French. Uh, they killed a uh, the gentleman, Pierre Laporte or something, is it? Oh. James Cross, I can't remember. And Prime Minister Trudeau called the army. That was during that time. This is scary. So now we won our—we beat the Marlboros four straight, and now we're going against Quebec. And myself and another guy, Pierre Gite, were two French-Canadians. We knew what was going to happen, but our team— was not prepared for that. So we started at home. We, we lost the first game, 4-2. Then we won the next one, I guess, 7-4. Then we went to Quebec. Oh my God. <laughs> the parents and the booster club, they took a beating. It was really because we had some tough guys and everybody was fighting and, and taking the game out, out of proportion. And uh, it was crazy. So they went and got a goalie. And uh, we didn't do that. They asked me my opinion. I said, we won with our two guys. That's it. I don't care. I don't want to have anybody. We lose. We lose. And we kept our guy. It was George Hume. He, he stayed good friends. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see him Wednesday. and We went there, and uh, they got a, a a goalie that came from Sorrell. I forgot his name yet, but I, I should remember. and That made the difference. They won the two games there. Now we we'll go back to St. Catharines, and there were so many requests for tickets and things like that that uh, they decided to play at Maple Leaf Garden. They sold out the tickets within ten minutes. Ten minutes. And uh,
0: and, and and just to interrupt was, a little bit, after Game Four, there was it got so crazy. They surrounded your bus and were attacking the bus and your hotel. Is that correct? Awesome. What was it again? After Game Four. After Game Four, they attacked your bus and surrounded your hotel. Is that is that correct? It got oh yeah, really everybody, scary.
1: everybody was on the floor. Everybody was on the floor. It, it got to be a little bit crazy. But here's what happened: once the game was over, and that's 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 the killer right there. As we leaving, everybody was throwing garbage and this and that. Then the police was out, right right around us. We had a big guy. His name was Mike Bloom. As he's leaving, he got mad and he's got his stick. And it's an accident that happened, but he shouldn't have done it. He hit the police officer that was protecting us, and he oh. cut him right in the face. Oh, oh. Wow. As soon as he hit him, I could hear the guys talking. They were mad. They were mad. And he just saying, hey, you want to be on your own? We're leaving here. And it, it's true. They had to go to court and uh, fight for this. Then I knew it was just this, this is absolutely crazy. We just lost control here. And we left, and the, the people were rocking the bus. And I always remember, I always didn't remember Guilafleur you know, about that. So we went back to uh, uh, Toronto Garden, Maple Leaf Garden, and we won that game. As we got to go back to Quebec, there was a meeting. The parents didn't want to have a, I guess, their kids going back. They they took a beating. And they decided to vote. It was like 18 against two. The uh, myself and Pierre Guite, we said, we gotta go back. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go back. And uh, we never did. We suspended uh, the general manager and and uh, owner of the team. If this would happen today, he be spent would be suspended for life. He was suspended for I don't know for I don't know how long. But to this day, until my well. When He passed away. He always asked him about that event. He says that it was a bunch of chicken. Dinner. I said, Don't say that. I said, <laughs> <laughs> we never got to finish. So no. crazy, eh? Crazy. Yeah,
0: nuts. I mean, not scary when they're surrounding the bus and smashing the windows. And, well, they, uh,
1: they were throwing all kinds of things on. You got to remember this, eh? You they, throw like lighters and uh, we were smoking in those days and it was smoking. We had helmets, but just. Thank God but when he got hit. You know, like it's just have to cover it and take care of yourself. It was crazy, crazy,
0: crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, we're talking to Marcel Dion. Uh, so many places I want to go with this conversation. Uh, you were—I I wonder how people remember you the most. I would assume it's as an LA King, but you did play in Detroit, and at the end, you played for the Rangers. But when when Gretzky went to LA, and you saw him crying at the press conference. You sent him a note, didn't you because you knew what he was going to start experiencing as a player in California. How do you know that? You and I spoke and for I a said, long time when we played together that week.
1: <laughs> okay i I sent him the – it was not a note but it was a uh, a, a call I said a call yeah I basically says, I know I watch you and I don't know if you never got the message right? And uh anyway it didn't matter, it came out. So I said, I see though it's very, very emotional. And you played and the whereas hockey, I said, Wait, don't You go to LA. It's gonna be phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> You're gonna really enjoy it. And by the time by the time he left, I think he, he brought back about seven or eight guys from the Edmonton Orders.
0: Yep. <laughs> He
1: brought the crew. And, uh, yeah, but he did his part. I watched them. Uh, went. They went to the finals against Montreal, and there we go again. Perfect example of a team should have never got that far, and they find a way with John Leclerc and just guys that just plug it around, and uh, they won the cup. So uh, it's amazing, and uh the, but he he changed the whole philosophy about Los Angeles there. You know, it was tough for us yeah. to draw. Uh, but then when they went there, they really tried to get players and players and this and that. Uh, he did his part. And then, but Kelly Rooney was there, too. I watched him on on, the, on television. I said, oh, my God. I remember scoring goals against Kelly Rooney. It was a piece of cake. <laughs> So what? you he's talking? Yeah, do this and do that. Don't change that. Says I have your number, my friend. I tell you right now. <laughs> and anyway, because he played uh he played with the Islanders, and yeah, uh, yep. That's when I had a chance to come down and play to New York. But really, a good guy. You know what? Oh, yeah. I got to tell you something, Eric. I'm really impressed with these guys on TV commentating. They do their homework. You know, it's very difficult. You understand this business, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, there's a lot of politics and so on, but they're good, they're really good so uh don cherry had it for a long time until he uh he forced himself out of the game and said sometimes it's time to go but they they are good they're very uh they they're right there with the game they say things that i, I see and I said hey, that's really cool, you know, but when you play, that's a different thing. you can comment on that, but now you play it doesn't work like that eh? it's amazing Eric you know that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I listen to you tell stories. I still hear the passion in your voice for the game. You're still, you know, the the teams, the players, the lineup. And I I think you get asked this a lot, but like, why didn't you stay in the game? I mean, nowadays, maybe it's different because nowadays there's so many different ways you could have stayed in the game. Why did you decide you want to do other things? Because you're quite an entrepreneur and you've done a whole bunch of other stuff.
1: Well that's my key. And to anybody that listen out there that have an opportunity the way I did it, it's very simple. I walked away from the game. You said it yourself. I had eighteen coaches plus plus plus. I watched players to be ruined. I watched managers. I watched coaches that hated players and there was nothing wrong with them. And I said, This is not for me. This is not for me. I said uh, I prepared myself my last year says I I always look up to guys that became entrepreneur and, and the NHL. I had a chance to guys that played in the 50s and 60s, and asked them, "What did you guys do after you finished playing?" You know what? They all went into the business world, like a guy like Dickie Moore. I mean, uh, Mr. Bouchard. I said, "You guys, geez," and uh, I says, "Who am I, right?" And uh, the next day, I didn't cry. I was I was in the business. I didn't have a press conference because I understood real quick what they are, and it's about themselves, and this and that. I said, I'm not interested to motivate athletes. Because to be an athlete is like a a horse. If he comes out, he's ready to run, he's going to run. He knows how to run. It's a question that, is there better horses? Well, sports is like that, but it's not for everybody. So when I went into the world of business, I made a promise to myself that I would never, never, never work for somebody. And you know, Eric? Yeah. I never did. I can tell you this. I'm 71 years old. People ask me, what do you do now? What do you do now? Well, the first thing I'm talking to Eric right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I have made money every day of my life being retired. I look at the opportunities. I had a hockey team in Charleston, South Carolina. How can I have a team there? It was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about the hockey itself. It was to sell the game, and we did 10,300 fans a game for two years. I was interested to talk to the, 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 the sponsors, things like that. I left everything to the coach. It was Rick Vibe and uh, Frank Milne was my, the manager, and he was a little bit part owner in there. And I had the best of time. It, it kind of set me up. With my name. Do I need my name to do things? And you know what, there? I don't. As soon as I talk, you know, I have educated myself with your public. you people that are listening to your show right now have educated me. Have it, 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 it educated me. Here's what I did just today. I went to get some stuff at the grocery store. I come up and I'm in the parking lot. And it comes automatic to me. I watch a lady getting trying to get ready in the car and it's no good. It's no good. I went towards her and says, Do you need help? And she said right away, she says, Yes. I had to get the uh, this part, the shadow walker, to put it in a, in her car and she had a cane, I put it there, and she said, Thank God goes the door. Then I went, How are you doing? How old are you? eighty seven. What do you have? She says, My hips are shot. But he says I said, what about your mind? She said, it's good. And then she's riding a car. You know what? When I do this for me personally, that's winning the Stanley Cup. I help somebody that we don't do enough anymore pay attention to detail about people. They love me, they think I'm the greatest. No, I'm not. I know it was good, but I, they made me aware. And I'm really aware of anything, like you said, about my surroundings. I do a lot of places, go a lot of places. And I watch guys that don't, pay, don't see what I see. And they miss opportunities. And I get a lot. True story. And it's not about money again. But we all need money, Eric. You get paid, right? You get paid. Yeah, yep.
0: well, as Well,
1: <laughs> not as much as you should. But that turns, that turns into good things. I connect with people. I know how to do it. I uh, as a try this. I, I put deals together that my main thing is to make those people that never made that kind of money doing these things. And I bring them along and I say, you won't lose. You will make. I don't make money, but they'll make money. It's the opportunity to give somebody else, oh, boy, this is fun. Well, yeah, but it's just it's not that good all the time. And that's the greatest form of education you can have. Wow. It's
0: people, Yep. you're a good man for helping them out. We're and talking Eric, to Marcel, I think I
1: speak, Eric. I think I speak better English the last time I saw you, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we love your accent, man. It's beautiful. People in Alberta <laughs> always love to hear the, the French accent. So, thank you for uh, for charming us with it. The okay, we got to wrap things up because uh, you've been generous with your time, but uh, a couple things international hockey. I know you met. Vladimir Putin, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. But also, seventy-six Canada Cup, your line mates, Bobby Hall and Phil Esposito, you're also on a line with my two childhood heroes, Lanny McDonald and Daryl Sittler. In 81, you're on a line with Wayne Gretzky and Guy Lafleur. You, 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 you played with Gordie Howe a little bit in his era. Who's the greatest player of all time, or is there even a debate? There's no,
1: there's no debate, but there's categories.
0: Okay, let's Godie
1: hear Gordie Howe was the greatest player that's ever played the game from the oh. time he started until he finished. But you got to remember this. He played 26 years. When I turned pro, he had already 26 years. Then he came back and played with his two sons.
0: Yeah, when he was 50. years.
1: <laughs> so how can that be? He's never, what's this? He's never scored 50 goals. It was longevity. But he was tough. He was dirty. Now, if you go with the players I played, you know, I got a chance to play with a lot. Of course, when the Bobby Orr, I mean, oh, my God, you know, just like in 76, he should have never, never played. He was hurt. He told me right in the little dressing room Montreal Forum, I hurt my knee. That's when he went to camp with the Boston Bruins, and he failed his physical. And then they traded him. He had to go, whatever, they made a deal. He went to Chicago, and then he played a few games. Look at the stats. He couldn't play. He tried again for two years. Yeah. His career was over.
0: Yeah. He
1: was only 28 years old. It's yeah. frightening. For when it's he insane. won two scoring titles, I know the game is different. There's no doubt about that, but those were the times. Yeah. And then as you evolve, you got this guy, Mario Lemieux, six-four. I mean, Belleville was six-four, but he didn't move the puck and do these type of things like that, scoring these goals in Pittsburgh. What a guy! Break the barrier of more points this and that, and then the great one comes. In. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when he tied for the scoring title, he was two points ahead of me. So I got two on the sat- uh, Saturday. I remember when I got the second one. Went over the defenseman and said, Marcel, you won the scoring title. You won. The- I couldn't care less. I was playing against the Vancouver Canucks, and Tiger Williams was running me all over the ice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Tiger.
1: So I, got, I got that, right? And I knew Wayne was going to be a first player to get 200 points. I said, the thing he does, nobody else does, behind the net and moving and this and that, and, 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 and you can trap it. he, I mean, it's his physique was... You can tell me I'm, I'm short on a lot of stuff. This guy had no muscles. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing. It's just like mm-hmm. it would stretch, and it was really good. And one thing, a hockey player mentioned to me the other night, 85% of the game you watch in the playoffs is played along the boards.
0: Yeah, I heard that. The yeah. whole
1: play, yeah, it's not amazing. It's yeah. like it's and my friend was a hockey player. He said, uh, "Marcela couldn't have played that. I said, I agree, I agree. Couldn't have played with that, but Wayne was really good with the puck along the boards. He would never miss. A lot of times we had to get the puck, and, and you set the puck, eh? He would just get it, and get, and that was that was a skill on its own. There, big time scale, especially for playoffs, like the way the players, are, you know, are. But then there's always one. Now you got McDavid. Is this crazy? Yeah. Is this what crazy to watch this guy perform? There's nobody. There's nobody like him. I mean, matter of fact, he goes too fast sometimes. <laughs> it's just that puck, that bucks well. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's frightening to play against him. And I watched him and I said, There's a way to stop him and then the last two games he was not getting the, the penetration as much as he did. But you gotta focus on him. Like when I played Pee Wee hockey, they would play a guy right beside me. He says, Wherever Marcel goes, you follow him. Mm-hmm. What about the kids? What about if they get off the ice? Go with them. Sit, sit with them on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, and and the only thing I'm frustrated. Sort of thirty-two things, right? How come we only get one player? Even lucky if we get two players at the draft, they're going to be the next guys to pass the uh, Dion, to pass uh, Jager, to pass. And they're tough to get. Now you're supposed to have that uh, young guy Bedard, right? So the expectation is so high, and it's amazing. There's 32 teams; they'll all get the first pick, and you get only one that can perform like that. Just like when Sydney came, Sydney, and uh, Sydney had his better days, but he's a very, very good two-way player. So he did sacrifice. For his team, there's no doubt about that. I like him, you know. And uh, but it's difficult. It's just uh, that's the way I see the game now. And goalies, goalies are goalies, right?
0: The six, crazy
1: four, six That they watch Eric, the six four six five. They weigh two hundred thirty pounds at the end of the game. Says we gotta yank them out. I mean, how much net do you have left with a guy like? the
0: The snipers
1: they find a hole they find a hole so it's exciting
0: anyway well my takeaway is that all those goalies are better than kelly rudy that those were your words and i love that that makes me (laughs) fun that he's one of my best friends and i'll make sure that i remind i'm sure many people will remind him that you said it but i i've often joked with him in the goalies back then it's a whole different game now and with the technology yeah, it, and the size, it, 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 it's, it's been, just different.
1: Do you watch you watch all those videos and all those preps, how they break down a play? It's it's like your phones. Like it's people always ask, I said, Hey, social social media. If you hook on it, you hook and uh you have to diversify, but they got so much input, so much preparation that nah, it was not meant for me. I like the way
0: we yeah. did play. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Listen, Marcel, I appreciate your time. Thanks for your candor, your your laughs. Uh, like I say, you're one of the great personalities in the game. I wish you to stayed in the game, but we're, we're blessed you come back and still tell us these stories. So I would love to have you on again real soon, my friend. You take care of yourself and uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs.
1: Hey, don't wait. I'm 71 years old. Don't wait <laughs> 10 <laughs> years or long no, because I want to ensure you call. <laughs> all the best to you and staff and all the fans. Enjoy right. the rest of
0: the playoff. Bye. All right. Thanks, Marcel. Great to catch up with you. There he is. Marcel Dion, Hall of Famer in every way. In every way. It's, it's too bad that people don't – most of our listeners have never seen him play. Probably never even see video of him playing, but uh, what a hell of a player. I think sixth all-time in goals four. Uh, I think he was only behind – when he retired, I think he was only behind how for goals and assists. Uh, just an incredible career, and he was only five foot eight, five foot nine, and uh, played for some terrible, terrible teams over the years. But what a great, great player! Okay, we got to take a break. We're going to come back with the premier, the honorable Danielle Smith. We're going to talk a little arena talk. I'm not interested in getting into all the political talk. That's not me. That's not this station. But uh, there are some things about the arena that I do want to discuss with her. Uh, the Eric Francis Show is brought to you. By horse racing, Alberta, the industry, the Alberta horse racing and breeding industry contributes over 300 million to the Alberta economy annually. And the industry employs over 5,000 Albertans live standard bred racing is back. Come experience the races live every Friday and Saturday at Century Downs racetrack and casino. For more information on how to get in on the action, visit thehorses.com must be 18 plus. Please play a responsibly. We'll take a break. We'll be back with the premier, Daniel Smith this is the eric francis show brought to you by horse racing alberta on sportsnet 960 the fan all right we're back thank you to marcel dion a hall of famer great stories great guy great insights great laughs okay we're gonna move on anyone who knows me knows i don't have a political bone in my body but we have an election coming up one of the important issues in this city revolves around getting an entertainment district and an event center we have a lady on the line here who's gonna make that happen if she's elected at the end of this month. So keep that in mind as you head to the voting station. Uh, years and years ago, this lady used to come on my radio show on Jack FM with Matt and I, and we dubbed her the smartest person we knew. She was a columnist with the Herald, and we would have her on, and she, God bless her, she'd give us her time. We'd ask dumb questions, because we're not smart, and she would set us straight every single time. Now she's our premier. Welcome, Danielle Smith. How are you?
2: Well, well, thank you, Eric. Now you're bringing me on, on a topic that you know way more about than I do. <laughs> so I'm gonna look like the dumb one.
0: That's pretty funny and wrong, of course, but thank you for saying that. That's very funny. Okay, please help me, like you did back in the days on Jacob M. Please help me answer when someone says, We should spend all that, you know, $300 million, $330 million. We should spend all that money on education and homelessness. Like it's that simple and the money should go there instead of to this, uh, to this project. Help me explain that.
2: You know what? It's not, it's one or the, it's not one or the other. That's right. We're spending record amounts on education. We've done a record investment in education. We also have a, a mental health and addiction treatment approach that makes sure that those who are living in homelessness, often because of mental health and addiction, that they have a pathway to be able to get into recovery. We just did a major announcement on that today. So 100% those are priorities of government and have to, and have to be addressed. But the other part of addressing The problem of downtown vibrancy, of vagrancy, of public safety is having a place where people can go. Because when you have vibrant communities and vibrant entertainment districts, then you have more of a police presence and you've got more places where people are going to be able to enjoy that. And also when you have that rivers district just humming, that's going to cause more people to want to live downtown, more people would want to go downtown. So I look at those as hand in glove. I've been asked now for the I've been I've been premier for eight. For eight months, and I've been asked almost every day, "What am I going to do to help improve the vibrancy of Calgary's downtown core?" And this, to me, is the absolute best thing to do. It is a priority of the City of Calgary. We knew that they came very close with the with the uh, entertainment club to coming to a deal, and we felt that there was anything we could do to add that last bit of investment to take it over the line. We felt we had to do
0: it. I love the way you put that. Get it across the line. We finally have someone after more than a decade of politicians in our city hall uh, bumbling their way to not getting this deal done. We finally have someone who is offering to get this over the line. And again, hey, when we go into an election, everybody's got their things that are important to them. For me, for this radio station, for this community that I've lived in in 30 years in the sporting community, this is as big an issue as there is in my books anyway. Tell me about the people who say, again, I need you to help me answer these, these questions. The, the age-old debate, well, you're just throwing millions at millionaire players and billionaire owners. Please put it in layman's terms why that's not correct.
2: You know how I've always thought of an event center? I, I, I look at it almost like a shopping mall, but you need an anchor tenant so that you can end up attracting all of the other retail businesses around it. I look at the the Flames Group as being the anchor tenant of a brand-new event center that is going to have a um, multi-purpose way of supporting the community for not only other amateur sports, but in addition with the community arena that we're going to be building in conjunction with, that's going to, I think, create access for all kinds of community groups and add much-needed additional ice space. In addition to that, well, all the concerts – that will be able to, to come to, to Calgary and various other events being put on it'll be um, uh, during Stampede it's going to be able to be a second venue where they're where they're going to be able to uh, to, to, uh, to showcase talent where we'll be able to ensure that we're attracting the big acts that they're not just going to do a flyover and go to Edmonton the, the other thing I would say is so I, I look at the arena itself, and the Flames as the anchor tenant to it, creating and being the impetus to create an amazing vibrancy in that whole Rivers district. One of the things that I noticed about Rogers Place in Edmonton, and I would just say anyone who doubts it should just go up. I know I know, in, on your station there probably aren't a lot of Oilers fans. I spoke, I root for both <laughs> of our Alberta teams. So, But I mm-hmm. know, but anyone who wants to go and see what the vision is for what's going to happen here is it's not just going to be an arena. It's going to be an entire district. It's going to have private residences and hotels it's going to have retail spots it's going to have restaurants it's going to have open areas so that there's gathering places that's what what the vision is here is rather than just focus on it being a single building for a single team, if the team becomes the anchor tenant to create the building, which then creates the support for the entire community district, which will then, I think, create an incredible addition to the Rivers District. And that that I think is inspired by, by what they did in Edmonton. And I think it's uh, brilliant that they kind of repurposed and, and rethought the proposal, because it's just so much better this time
0: around. Oh, and, and the, you know, it, it was such a derelict uh, part of the downtown core in Edmonton, where the where where the arena now sits and it's it's just completely been turned around and I I love what you're saying if if anybody's ever if you haven't been up there do yourself a favor even if you're just going through Edmonton just drive by that area and see how vibrant it is and 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 I thought it was interesting because I knew one of the questions was going to be at that press conference you know we've never had the province step in for an arena they, they didn't do it for the Edmonton Oilers when they built their arena you know, you know, what is your response to Edmontonians who will be up in arms? And you were ready for that. Tell, tell people what you had said. Well, I, I must tell you, I, I know the the Oilers
2: group, I know Tim Shipton quite well. And he was the one who explained to me why the the Rogers Place deal really worked is because they were able to build the private residences. They were able to uh, add the JW Marriott. They have the Stantec Tower and they also have a phase two development that they're going to need a little bit of help on because uh, it's also still uh, you know open parking spaces and it's a little bit derelict as well. So I I know that we're going to have to assist in doing some of the infrastructure work to be able to expand that. But the uh, what I would say the approach in Calgary is if we want to 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 really accelerate some of the development of the ri- Rivers District, we've got to look at it from an infrastructure point of view and what is missing. So there'll be roads and bridges that need to be built. There'll be uh, LRT stations that uh, need to be engineered and connected so that uh so that we have a, you know an easy way of people being able to get downtown on the on the green line and be uh stopping right near the the site we're going to be doing the site reclamation, some of the the, uh, the site, uh, the, the removal of the saddle dome, and all the supportive infrastructure, including the two community gathering areas. When you think about when we have big events, uh, oh, the Olympic Plaza, I think, is the only real public space where people gather downtown oh. for events. This is going to be an amazing space uh, that we'll be able to. You know, look at all the the Blue Jays games or, you, or Toronto Maple Leafs, or when you see. The, uh, uh, the Rogers Place, how they're able to use a bunch of outdoor spaces to be able, when the team is away, I think that those are the kind of things that, that really will allow us to, to to turn this whole community into a, a place that is going to be vibrant, not just on game nights, but I think it's also going to be vibrant year-round.
0: Absolutely. A city needs a gathering place. I'm from Mississauga, where the, the mall was the gathering place. Is that what you, <laughs> It's not what we want for a city. Um, we're talking to the Premier, Daniel Smith. Uh, just a few more about the arena and the the proposal that has got hockey fans and, and sports fans in this city and concert goers uh, and proud calgarians excited not everyone i get that i totally get that but i think it's important and i know this was on purpose but of the 330 million dollars not a dime of this is going towards the arena itself which i think is a concern for people given that it'll be operated but not owned by the flames That was by design, right? This is all for infrastructure and area improvements.
2: It, it it was by design, and you know, I, I sometimes joke, don't tell Cal, don't don't tell Calgary, but we were about three hundred million dollars less than Edmonton in our most recent capital budget. So, phew, this would uh, allow us to to bridge that gap. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other part of it is we wanted to make sure that we were investing in a way that made the most sense. I mean, one of the other proposals that was put towards me is to help private building owners renovate their buildings so that they could turn them into apartment complexes, and the proposal was that I put two hundred million dollars towards that you know what i look at that and i say well what would be better seems to me it's better for us to invent invest in truly public infrastructure for a truly public purpose roads bridges lrt doing site reclamation building uh, community spaces building a community arena those are legitimate things that that provincial government should be doing and so when i had the the option of those two things it was quite clear to me that helping uh, the, the the team and the city Bridge that gap and get to the finish line so that we could have not only a world-class event center but also a, a, a rejuvenated rivers district it, it seemed to me that this is the right way to go
0: and it's also a much better parcel i spoke to you after the uh, press conference you know instead of seven uh seven acres it's now on 10 acres of land it'll be a much bigger larger scope uh, more community-minded it's not just an arena we know that and i think the one thing is the ownership group often gets vilified because they didn't pay enough or, or this is all for them. And they're going to make all the money off of this. At the end of the day, I know Ken King used to always say to me, like, how is that in our own city? Uh, You know, we're vilified for something like this. We're being, we're partnering with the city. We're contributing. Uh, I don't remember. Is it $350 million that the the ownership group is giving to this project? Uh, That is in addition to what, of course, the city and the province is doing. How lucky are we to have partners like that?
2: It's, it's so true, you can't you can't imagine, try to think of any other single entity
0: that would be able to accelerate
2: a major re- revitalization project like this. There aren't very many that would be able to, to, to be a, a partner this way. And I should also mention, I mean, Calgary Stampede was also at the announcement because by uh, ultimately clearing away the Saddle Dome, that restores some space for the Calgary Stampede. So we're all going to benefit from that too. And quite frankly, I always felt like the, the Saddle Dome was buried in behind all of that parking and it's part of the reason why we weren't able to see the dynamic construction around it. Maybe that's what people are thinking, is that it's going to have that same sort of sterile parking lots all the way around, and I would just encourage people to think that this is going to be completely different. The the idea that we are going to have the event centre as the anchor so that when you go down and you want to see a concert there's going to be dozens of restaurants you're going to be able to to sit at there's going to be open areas so that in the summer you'll be able to to sit and enjoy the outdoors while you're waiting to to go in and see an event that it is going to be it's going to rejuvenate the place it's going to be amazing to see and i think the other really important part because our downtown has been hollowed out when the downtown becomes robust and vibrant again It increases the property values downtown. When you increase the property values downtown, it means everybody's taxes go down. Part of the reason people's taxes have gone up is because the the value of those downtown office spaces have eroded because we've had businesses who have left and we've also got now a public safety crisis down there. So all of this is going to allow, I think, to uh, to see every property in that community downtown increase in value. And I think that's going to benefit the entire city. I think in the end, when you look at the billions of dollars of investment that is going to occur as a result of uh, this one major investment being made by all the partners. I think uh, 10 years from now, we will be having a very different conversation. People will be very excited about what it's turned into.
0: Danielle, you're still the smartest person I know. Thank you for coming on and explaining things that I have a hard time putting into such good words. So thank you. And good luck with it, and uh, I, I will be encouraging people along the way to consider all the merits of this incredible proposal that can transform downtown and uh, and also, of course, help our great sporting community. So thank you, and uh, let's talk again soon. You got it. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you again. Okay, cheers. There she is. The Honourable Danielle Smith, our Premier. She can get it across the finish line. Now it's up to the city to make sure she does that. Let's not have a third failed business, uh, third failed arena situation in our city i don't know how you can hear her arguments and hey i know there are counters i get it but i don't know how you can hear those and not understand the incredible merit to a project like this and how how much how muchly needed it is uh, in our city especially in that area okay that's the eric francis show thank you everybody for listening we'll do it again next week we're not going to do it on monday we're going to do it on on tuesday phil esposito is going to be joining us next tuesday on the eric francis show from noon until two o'clock. Thanks again to Horse Racing Alberta for being our great sponsor. And thank you for being uh, great listeners. Talk to you next week.